0: Hi, everyone. This is katherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 398. And tonight, we're recapping two episodes of Lore Olympus. We're going to start with episode 264, which is available for free right now on the Webtoons app, and then we're going to go straight into episode 265, which is only available if you are fast passing, and we certainly are. Though this wasn't one of the episodes, either of them, where there was like a big cliffhanger, even though we know things are about to start happening. Yeah, and not a ton of stuff revealed, really. I think the two episodes can be summed up as Demeter has a lot more personal growth and reveals just a tiny bit more about Persephone's backstory. And Persephone and Hades seduce each other on the dining room floor. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, big time. (laughs) Oh, okay. So just starting from the very beginning, we had ended the last episode that we had recapped where Persephone, of course, she had had like an incident. she had had this fever and she was telling her mother that she was basically useless and doing a terrible job and she's a monster. And Demeter takes a deep breath and says, wait. And so we roll straight into that with the start of this episode. And I think the thing that really sets Demeter over the edge is when Persephone tells her, maybe you were right about me. And that's right. when Demeter says, no, that intervention, everything I told, you was wrong. And that finally gets Persephone's attention. And Demeter starts explaining herself because, I mean, it wasn't so bad when... Persephone was a baby, but as Persephone started getting more powerful, Demeter started worrying more about her. And then they had the encounter, and what they encountered was a dying harpy. Yeah, and I love the design on the harpy. I did too! Boy, it's huge! Now, we haven't seen, I guess, a lot of monsters, like mythological monsters in this, It's because it's focused on the people, obviously. I mean, Cerberus I think is one of the big ones. But yeah, it had a really long neck, and it was just Covered with feathers and had kind of this older face. But it was, I know, it was really wonderfully drawn because it's basically lying out in this big green field. And Demeter tells Persephone to stay by the forest. And so they have this whole conversation. She pours it some water and says, what is it? You found your ending? Yeah. No, It's just very, she doesn't try to sugarcoat it or anything, but she's obviously being kind and the harpy doesn't seem to suspect anything. She just kind of, you know, licks the water out of her hand and she's like, yes, it's, you know, She's doesn't have any more new thoughts. She's seen everything and there's this pause and she said, well, maybe now I've seen everything and she sees core. Yeah. And this 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 has been the core of Demeter's worry about Persephone because the harpy says something like, you know, tells her that she's a fertility goddess, which I guess Demeter didn't know that before then. But she tells Demeter that Gaia wants Persephone. And she says that a fertility goddess is born every generation, and that's why Medes was killed, which Demeter also didn't know because Zeus didn't tell anybody. Demeter also asks, well, what about this generation? And the harpy says somebody got to her first and used her all up. So mm. would that be Kronos using up Hera? Would that be Zeus using up Hera to keep himself in power? We we really don't know, but it's not made very clear. No, no. And the commenters were going back and forth on that one. It does seem to be the consensus as she's talking about Hera. Um, I I was thinking Kronos as well. Some people were pointing out that Kronos did rip Hera in half when he found out that she had betrayed him. So maybe her powers were used up when she healed. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. And the the harpy just disappears and. To dust, I think, when she passes away, and it's left Demeter to just worry. And she just, she tried to keep. Persephone safe because she was trying to follow her instincts. But she said, instead, I made myself a monster to you. And there's all this imagery of her leading Persephone around with a protective arm over her shoulder. And that, I mean, I'm sure one of those scenes was Persephone in that white dress that she made her put on during the intervention, which she was trying to convince her that she just wasn't capable of being a queen because she just needs her mother to take care of her. And it's Demeter has definitely realized she took the wrong track and i don't i'm not even sure there's anything more she needs to say about that because there, she's not holding back anything about what she thinks she did was wrong yeah yeah and that just makes me think okay so we hated mince when she was first introduced mm-hmm. and somehow Rachel turned her around so that we're like, oh wow, is okay. And then we really hated Demeter a bunch. I mean, we've got all these episodes. You can go back through our back catalog of us just being like, oh my God, I want Demeter to just have some kind of terrible moment and I can enjoy the shade And now, I mean, it's like I can completely understand why she did what she did, but it's more than that. In those situations, it, both times, Rachel Smythe had the character acknowledge what they did was wrong and somehow promise to be better. And that's really all we need. Yeah, and also to give a little bit of backstory, because we did see some yeah. backstory from Minth about how Minth grew up with a mother who was not interested in being a mother, and it just made Minth into someone who needed attention and affection, but at the same time also saw all those things as transactional, which it went yeah. a long way to explaining that. So now, what I am wondering is, is Rachel going to do the same thing for Apollo? God, that's exactly why I brought this up. I was going to be like, holy cow. We would have to have him acknowledge that he was wrong Uh and promise to be better, and we'd have to have some kind of backstory to explain why he is the way he is. However, that doesn't, I mean, rape being rape and everything, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to do it for us. That would be the biggest shift. If she could actually make us kind of care about Apollo and think, okay, maybe everything will be okay. Boy, it's going to take a lot. I would much rather she just, you know, have someone squash him into the dirt. I I do too. And I think the only way to make me even have a little bit of sympathy for Apollo is to have Leto be the bad guy, like maybe abusive Uh. when he was growing up, something. I don't know. But I mean, the bare minimum that he could do is admit that he's been wrong this entire time. Because honestly, what I find when I'm looking through the older issues is that his original act was terrible. But yeah. it's everything that he's done since then. The, the gaslighting, the refusing yes. to admit that she's not attracted to him. This constant idea that he's the wronged party. And it's just, oh. there's so much he has to backtrack on. And maybe Rachel will do that. She surprised us before. Maybe she won't. So back to the episode, yeah. Um, you've got Demeter and Persephone kind of hugging each other. And it's really a sweet moment. And there's this background noise of, squaw! and it's Dionysus. So the next scene kind of picks up where I guess they're in the kitchen and Persephone's holding on to Dionysus, who is waving around that plant again. And the commenters were noticing that. They're like, Dionysus is really trying hard to let people know that he has some information. And a lot of people think, I mean, we keep talking about fertility goddesses. He would be a fertility god. So maybe he can Mm. fix everything that's going on in the mortal realm. That would be interesting. Yeah, but it's in the intervening moments, uh, Persephone Stephanie has told Demeter about meeting Medes, and Demeter seems to be taking it really well. She's like, oh, so Medes is a star now? That makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. So once again, I'm glad everybody's getting all on the same page, because people constantly don't give people the information they need in this series. Not as bad as some TV show and movies, but still, it happens a lot. But at that moment, that's when Hecate pokes her head into the room and says that Morpheus has made a breakthrough. And that's where we end the episode. Right. So the next episode, I believe, starts with Morpheus in the dream realm and explaining about not being able to do what she needs to do. And she's talking to this ghostly blue shape, which I think maybe be Melano, that uh, Kronos is using. Because Kronos told oh. Melano that he needs a new target. And it was very right. much implied that that's going to be Morpheus. And Melano is saying, it's not that you can't, it's that you won't. And... Morpheus is just scared. She says the last time she tried to bring somebody into somebody else's dream, she almost lost Persephone. And she's scared to try to do that again because her boundaries keep her from being able to do that safely. And I can't remember what Melano says to her. I mean, starts reaching forward and saying, I can help you. And Morpheus says, wait. And then you see, I think Melanos' aura or whatever is touching morpheus's head and i think we're seeing a possession there now yeah yeah definitely and it is interesting everything that goes on in this little mini scene is sort of like the mirror image of what happens in the next scene because i got when morpheus said you know i can't take someone into the dream of another it's dangerous that's where my boundaries are not just this is where my i don't know the boundaries of my power but it was almost like she was saying I am telling you what my boundaries are and I want you to respect those. It's an example when the ghostly figure takes her over, it's non-consent. And then we flip immediately into core and Hades having dinner together and the conversation that happens after that. Right, because Persephone knocks over a wine bottle and wine is spilling onto the floor. And I felt like that was such a great scene, Because it really can fade. I'm sure it's been, I've had a situation like that where something is happening and a mess is being made. And just because of what's going on in your head, you're just not capable of stopping something. Like you can't think to put the wine bottle back up. You're just trying to catch the wine as it's falling to the floor. So of course, she's just trying to mop up the wine and it's all coating the bottom of her dress. And she's talking. I'm sorry, you don't really need this. And you see Hades is talking, but his words are fuzzed out. She's not hearing him. So she's, I think she's in full on panic mode now. Yeah, I actually, we had an experience with this. So... Our sister, Hannah, who many of you have heard about, had had like a medical emergency a couple years ago. And then recently, this past Christmas, she was able to have some stuff that, you know, basically solved a lot of that. We won't go into details about that, but just basically everything went really well. But it did involve us having to pick Hannah up at a very early hour of the morning to go take care of this. Everything was all planned. Everything was fine. And our mom was freaking out. Mm -hmm. And there was this whole thing with mom making us coffee that we could take on the drive and wanting to find the right coffee cups uh, that we could use in the car and everything and wanting to make sure that we had the keys for the car put in it. And it was all these like tiny little details that really didn't matter very much. But I don't think she I don't I felt that that if you had put our words into thought bubbles or speech bubbles around mom, mom would have had the same thing. Mom wasn't hearing anything we were saying because she was just like spinning out of control. So yeah, when you're freaked out about something, that's definitely a thing that happens. So then we kind of get onto the whole seduction thing because I think Mm. the conflict right now between Persephone and Hades is that Hades is going to do another dream dive that was so disastrous the last time and Persephone's scared. Persephone wants Hades to use her fertility goddess power Power to have enough strength to conquer Kronos, and Hades doesn't want to do that because he's afraid of hurting her, and he's also afraid of possibly becoming like his father. And I think he yeah. had, he actually had had a conversation with, um, Poseidon at one point where Poseidon is just being really straightforward about it's like so you know with the dream dive so your options are possibly getting taken over by Kronos or turning into Kronos and Hades is something like it's a bounty of horrible options yes it really is but right now he is really like he's very concerned about Persephone because obviously she's freaking out and he Kind of tells her that this is what he needs to do. He needs to do the stream dive. He knows that she's worried about it. And the upshot is he basically says, we will do this and we will be careful and if it doesn't work then I will go ahead and use your powers. So it's kind of like a a compromise type of situation which you can tell she's trying to understand but once again, freaking out. Yeah, and he tells her that when she was sick she was talking about how she's a bad queen and he wants her, he wants to know if she really thinks that and she says yes, the only good thing she's done in the underworld is um, Elysium and that's now gone because everything's dying. So she just feels like she had a chance to do something good in the underworld and she's completely failed. And Hades is just trying to tell her the same thing that... That Demeter was telling her is this like you know she sacrificed herself and made a pact with Erebus to save everybody and I want more people to stress that because this yes. is just like you you guys do remember that Chronos the big tyrant was trying to use you know the underworld to take over and Persephone stopped that and the only reason she was able to do that was because of this pact with Erebus but everybody's thinking it's well no not everybody Apollo and Persephone are thinking of it as her failure but nobody else yeah. seems to. No, no. So Hades is trying to convince her of everything that she's going to be able to do well. He's trying to sort of buoy her spirits and everything and he does it by basically seducing her. But it is it's it's Hades at every moment. He's always saying is this okay? Are you still good? It's it's the exact opposite of what happened to Morpheus in the beginning. This whole seduction At the core, I keep saying that, at the core of it is all about consent. Yes. And he will never do something, even though they're married, even though they're together, you can never ask about consent too many times. I remember hearing that on a, some type of interview I was listening to at one point, and it was talking about a teacher who was, had a class full of guys and was teaching guys about what consent means. And the guys were just mystified at this idea. This just like, so I always have to ask, even though she said, yes, I have to keep asking if it's okay. And the basic answer is, yeah, if you have any concerns, you should just ask, her, you okay? Because at any time, even if things have gone on to a really advanced place, there's always the chance that They don't want this, and you need to make sure that you have consent. It's just not possible to ask for consent too many times. And and I have to say, like this uh, scene really illustrates, asking for consent when everything's hot and heavy is really kind of hot. Oh my goodness. Do you know um, Asteroid City? That was a moment that I really liked in that movie because it's between two guys, and I think at one point there's about to be like a seduction, and they're just standing next to each other, and the scene is kind of pulled back, so you see them from a distance, but one's like, is this okay? And the other one's like, yeah, it is. And it was just like, oh, it was so it was so sexy it was great so i wrote down some of the comments for that scene because basically it ends with hades saying when everything comes together for you and it will you'll be unstoppable because you're my dread queen Mm. and the commenters of course are just going he called her his dread (laughs) queen but there are a couple more comments Um, i wrote down emerald lily wrote down the copious amounts of consent heart 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 (laughs) heart And then the galaxy witch said, fandom, can we please get a long chapter that answers any of the 12 cliffhangers happening right now? Rachel answers, best I can do is more Hades, Persephone smut. And they're like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, artwork, just gorgeous. Because Hades has still got that half god mode thing going on where half of his face and one of his arms is all black with stars in it, which worked so well with Persephone with her pink hair and then her white, white dress that is like got, now got a border of red wine over it. And she's got this like headband on with these silver chains that are attached. Sorry, I'm getting to a lot of detail because I just like this element. Silver chains that are attached from the headband to her earrings. And I just thought it oh, was such so a nice touch. Oh, beautiful. Were, of course, it's Rachel Smythe's art, so of course there were tons of gorgeous images in this whole thing. But I did find it interesting... This comment kind of reflects what a lot of the commenters are saying, which I don't necessarily agree with, but it's the commenter Heather Bristow, and she says, I am ready for the plot to move forward now. It's been quite a few episodes in a row of Hades and Persephone and this whole I'm not enough, yes you are, okay, let's bang. It feels like it's slowing the story down at this point. Now, I don't necessarily agree with this because I I could watch this for episodes and episodes and episodes, but it is true that that's the thing that Persephone and Hades go back to constantly where one is trying to reassure the other and yeah this was a very short chapter and so to say that the commentaries are getting antsy is really understating it they're just like let's go so hopefully we'll have some more forward momentum but again it's kind of hard to ask for forward momentum when we know that this is probably the last story arc that we're going to have in this series um so yeah take your time rachel i don't want it to end too soon yeah that and of course, both. Persephone and Hades have so much trauma that they're bringing to the table. So it is nice to see what a relationship looks like when the assumption is not, well, I told you that I loved you, so therefore everything should be fine, so let's talk about something else. No, they don't do that in this story. No, they don't. So uh, It's so healthy. But yeah, when uh, Hades telling her that she's his dread queen, that is where the episode ended. That's right. That's right. I got a glimpse of the preview image from the Fast Pass. Uh, Spoilers if you don't want to hear what it is. It's clearly Morpheus, and I think you can see, like, some Kronos eyes in Morpheus's face. And I'm like, oh, no! Yeah, yeah. Well, I saw the Fast Pass preview image for the Fast Pass after that one, and we're going to be seeing Apollo soon. Uh Oh, dear. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, it's another reason why wanting the story to move forward is like, yeah, so we're going to be getting to the tragedy, trauma, whatever that's going to be going on because you know something's going to be happening. Gracious. Gracious. So that's all for Laura Olympus this week. I wanted to mention real briefly that I went to go see Poor Things yesterday. Ah, yes. And how was that? Okay. It is weird. It is super weird. It is weird to a surreal degree. Like, there is imagery that happens that you could see in any like, look up any famous surrealist painting and everything, and you're going to see something like that. I mean, it is odd. It is bizarre. It's gorgeous. I mean, apparently most of these sets are like hand painted. Um, I think they kept the CGI was mostly kept to like background elements, like they're on a ship at one point, And there's this ocean and sky behind them. And it's clearly CGI, but so beautiful. And there's steampunk elements and uh, costuming. I mean, I really think like the production values, that's the Oscar. I think this one is shoo-in to win, unless it goes toe-to-toe with Barbie. I haven't seen Barbie yet, but I hear the production values on that one are pretty high as well. Now, what's his name who played um, the Hulk in the Avengers movie? Oh, Mark. Who does a very good job playing a character you haven't seen him play before? Yeah, and when I listened to the Best Pick podcast episode about the Oscar noms, they talked about the fact that he does an accent for the entire time. Or any? It, yeah. Is it, it? Does it pull you out of the story at all? I didn't feel. It, I didn't feel it did because the character is so overblown in a very deliberate way that. Even if you didn't quite buy the accent, you could probably just convince yourself it's an affectation that the character's putting on because it just, it it fits in perfectly. I thought he did a great job. I thought he did. I mean, and this movie is funny. There are a lot of really funny and dark humor, super, super dark. A lot of mortuaries, a lot of bodies being cut into. Uh, You may have heard about there being some kind of like Frankenstein animals running around. Uh Uh-huh. It's That's not done in like a torture porn kind of way. There are definitely some animals that have clearly had parts grafted on them for others, uh, but they look healthy and they're running around and whatever. I mean, it's not a nice... You don't have to worry about animal torture or anything like that. Bad things mm-hmm. happening to animals. No. no, some people who had mentioned that on com were like, are animals hurt? And they were saying, well some Frankenstein animals, that can't made them feel too good. They all look fairly cheerful, to be honest. So it's it's just another surreal, odd, quirky thing that this movie does. What you probably should get a heads up about is there is so much explicit sex in this movie. I mean, <laughs> it is constant. Like, 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 lots of nudity, apparently. Tons of nudity, full frontal nudity, male and female, to be honest. We do see some penises every once in a while. So wow, yeah, I mean, it's okay. Like, I don't know what would push this movie from an R to, like, a... I don't know. What are we calling it? Is it still NC-17? NC-17 as far as I know. Okay. I don't know what would push it into the NC-17 realm, but man, they were really trying. Okay. But I think Emma Stone just does a fantastic job. I mean, the character has to change so much over the course of this movie, and for her to be able to keep that straight, what the character is supposed to be doing, was pretty amazing. Well, I would think that all the full frontal nudity would hurt its chances of getting the uh, best picture win, but everything everywhere all at once had weaponized butt plugs. So I think everything's still on the table. Yeah, I had that same thought. I was thinking as we were leaving the movie I was like, there's no way that it could win Best Picture. It's just not a Best Picture movie. And I'm thinking, oh, I don't know. Everything everywhere all at once really set the reset the playing field right there, I think. Okay, well, I I need to see that. Um, I found out, I Alamo Drafthouse doesn't seem to have it on the schedule for Raleigh to do the animated shorts festival, yeah. but the Carolina Theater in Durham does. And it's going to be like a week with a bunch of different showings. So I'm hoping that we'll actually get to do that because I love seeing all of them together in a big theater. It's just so fun. I do. Yeah, that's the best way to see them as far as I'm concerned. Only other thing is that I finished just like right before we started this recording, I finished reading the uh, book Babel, that the one that there's oh. been all this controversy over. And wow, yeah. I want to write a review for it, but I feel like I've got to let it sit in my brain for a Little while because that was really hard hitting. Because it's like the the horrors of British colonialism as seen from somebody who's been brought from another country to work in the magic translation and being told pretty much the entire time by everybody they meet well, what you do is valuable for the British Empire, but we're never gonna see you as one of us. And it's just and it just gets worse. And it's just I mean, like the whole opium thing with the British Empire trying to drive the opium trade to China because it was the Only way they could get China to buy stuff from Great Britain. And it's just, it's all history. It's all stuff that has actually happened and you can't look away from it. Yeah. And in case you're wondering, no, there hasn't been any more information as to why it was disqualified from the Hugos. There's so much shenanigans going on right now. And we found some articles that were kind of discussing what censorship is like in China. And the idea is, if you are a citizen of China, you've grown up in that country, you were aware that the government could come after you for saying something bad about the Chinese government, but you don't know where those boundaries are. Mm-hmm. And so everybody just tends to stay the hell away from any conversation that they think might get them in trouble. And the description that we read, and I'll put a link to this article in the uh, podcast description, it was describing, like, if you're in a room and there's an anaconda hanging from the ceiling, for the most part, the anaconda is not really going to do anything, but its presence shapes the attitudes of everyone in the room. And that's what the Chinese government is like with the censorship. And so yeah, more. yeah. And looking at this, I'm still not sure exactly what they hit upon except for the idea that they could possibly see people's reaction to an oppressive government as not being a great message for the people of China, even though it's talking about the oppression of the British government. So it it's definitely seems like it could be seen as a very subversive work. So who knows? We still don't even have a lot of confirmation that it was the Chinese government that stepped in that did no, this. No, we don't. Though The Chinese government has a new award show coming out, and... What I read about it was that the Chinese government, when anything gets really popular in China, the Chinese government has to decide, are they going to suppress this? Or are they going to monetize it and, like, weaponize it and use it for their own basis? And apparently the popularity of science fiction in China has reached the point where they're going to do the latter. So they're making their own award show. And the one guy, Dave something, Dave McCarty? something? McCarty? McCarty, I, I think, think so. Yeah, he was the one who was sort of answering questions from people about why works got disqualified, but his answer was these roundabout ways of saying because I said so. Apparently he's involved with the show as well and a lot of people are like, oh, okay. What? But Once again, it's all, it's all speculation. We just okay. don't know. Okay. Well, maybe more later. Maybe not. <laughs> hmm. But I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. Oh, God. We still don't know if we're getting press passes for WonderCon. Wow. And I would, feel, I would feel worse about this, but I've found some references online that there are other people who are still waiting to just hear. that it. I don't believe it's supposed to be one of those things where if they don't tell you you're approved, that means you're denied. They're supposed to tell you if you're approved or denied we're not the only people who are in this limbo right now, so fingers crossed. I don't know, but, you know, with any luck, we'll find out that we're going to go to WonderCon and then there'll be some pictures and all that and more. com. So next week we will have Night Vale. Yes, we will. And I'm hoping to have Maybe we'll have actually seen those animated shorts and we can talk about them. Do they have anywhere near you in San Diego where you could go to do that? Because it would be great to have another animated shorts episode. Oh, yeah. I want to say I saw some references, too, because I think it's... One of those things where it's run by the Oscars, Mm -hmm. so they will, I I saw some reference to a big page where they're going to list all the places where it's scheduled, so I'm fairly confident they'll have it. Cool. Yes, well maybe we can plan for that, or not, because we're specific. That's right, but one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. that was giving yourself a bath. Go away.